0: Hello, everyone. This is Ella here to introduce Rebecca and Jenna's episode on Patti Smith's Just Kids. This is another in our series of guest hosts choosing books for each other. I chose this book for Rebecca a because it's one of my favorites of all time, but I more chose it because I know that Rebecca moved to New York last year and it's one of my favorite New York based books. I also know that Rebecca kind of likes oddballs and eccentric people. And I thought that she would really like the 1970s New York punk scene and art scene. And I just thought she would get a a real kick out of Patti Smith and Robert Mapplethorpe as people and their relationship. Uh, Hopefully I am right. Uh, We will see, but it should be an interesting conversation nevertheless, and you will be hearing from me one more time when I introduce Jenna's episode with Abby, but for now, enjoy this one.
1: Hated holding the actual book, but it was an easy read, so you got through it really well.
2: Yeah, well, no, mine mine is regular size. I don't know, like it was just too big. You're me. I can't bring this book on the subway. I mean, maybe that's the point. She like knew you were going to bring it on the subway and she wanted people to be like, what is that book? <laughs> that's too bad for
1: her. I didn't bring it on. I brought it twice and I was like, I can't live like this.
2: Welcome to Red Wine Reads, a community of book lovers talking about our favorite and not so favorite books while pouring a glass or two of wine. I'm your host, Jenna Miller, and with me today is Rebecca soss someone who spends her free time roaming around museums in Chelsea. Now, before we start, I should warn you that we do spoil the endings of the book's review, so if you don't like that, then please go finish the book and come right back to this episode. But if you're just here for the fun-loving conversation, then welcome, we are so glad you're here. So whether you want to read one, none, or all of the books this month, this week, this year, the choice is up to you. These reviews are not backed by any science or experience, just purely two opinionated amateur readers. You may hate the books we love or love the books we hate. Everyone has different tastes, but we hope this podcast is fun to listen to no matter how you like your books. You can tell us your opinions and hot takes of every single book that we are reading on our Instagram and TikTok at Podcast. That's at rwreadspodcast.com. So, without further ado, let's pull some corks and get reading. This week, we read Just Kids by Patti Smith. Well, Rebecca, welcome to another episode of Red Round Reads. So happy you are here. Hi, happy be here, as always. <laughs> as per usual, <laughs> our vibes are mid to say the least it's just it, it's the tuesday coming off of memorial day weekend and so and i didn't go into the office to work i stayed home so
1: oh i am slugging it
2: yeah i went into the office and i am slugging it i was like i can't i can't do it i spent half my day just cleaning out my inbox and i did it good for you that's that's my win for the day. Well, let's get into it. I'm so excited to chat about this book. I actually finished this book more than a day before the recording, which is unheard of for me. Not for me. I finished it yesterday. I spent most of my Memorial Day curled up in bed.
1: I don't think I left bed. I played video games and I read book. I read book. <laughs> I read book. <laughs> I read that book almost all day. I pretty much had half of it unread. By Yesterday morning.
2: Wow. And look at you. You did it. I did it. And uh, the book in question that we had read is Just Kids by Patti Smith. This was a book. So last month, uh, the month of May, was my turn to choose the books for my lovely co-host. And now for June, July and August, the tables have turned and they get to turn. They get to choose books for each other, which is Either good or bad. Um, (laughs) But this was the book that Ella had chosen for us to read. And I think it was honestly a perfect choice, if I might say so myself. Nothing could have been more Ella. Yes. Nothing could have been more Ella. And then she turned it, instead of it being an L.A. memoir about a singer growing up in the 60s, it was a New York City singer growing up in the 60s, 70s. Honestly, the change of location is huge. Yeah. Yeah. For her,
1: because I've read L.A. Woman, L.A. Woman, and I hated it. And this one I could tolerate. So,
2: whoa, (laughs) a change of location is huge. You heard it here first, folks. So we read Just Kids by Patti Smith. This was a book and I was going to tell Rebecca this before. And then I was like, you know what? Let's just record because I feel like this fits. This book was originally written in 2010. Oh, really? That's soon? Mm hmm. That seems very recent. This book, though, though it was written in 2010 and though it's written about her life in her 20s in New York City, I really started hearing about it 2019 going into 2020. And for some reason, it was like making its rounds in my college. And my friend Cassidy had read it and she was like, you got to read this. You would love it. I was like, oh, interesting. And so I was like, definitely, we're going to read it and just never got around to it. And then when... Ella had mentioned, I really want somebody to read Just Kids. I was like, I bet you anything she's going to choose it. And then she did. And I was like, all right, I'm excited to read it because it's been on my list for forever. And then once we read L.A. Woman, I was excited to pick this one up because Ella was like, it's L.A. Woman, but set in New York City. Almost identical, (laughs) except the writing was uh, somewhat bearable. (laughs) Yeah, her writing is fun. You can tell she's a poet. Yeah, it's beautiful. And you can tell she writes so that people will read it. It's not like she's writing just to get her thoughts out on a page. She's just like a stream of consciousness, like Eve Babbitt's. Babbitt's. She just goes. She goes hard in the paint. She goes. And honestly, if you like that kind of stuff, Eve's the way to go. Eve does it the best. I feel like Patti Smith is like a little more on the Joan Didion side of things, where it's a little bit more soft, poetic, kind of lyrical, almost type writing. Yeah. Yeah, and then Eve Babbitts is just like, here is my... Here is every thought I've
1: ever thought in the entire world. Here it is on a page plus six extra
2: words per sentence. There you go. In a stream of consciousness that has no linear aspect to it at all. And we all know that I struggle with that. So thank you, Patty Smith, for keeping this at least somewhat linear. Anyways, I'm excited to talk about this too with Rebecca, who has just recently moved to New York City and is experiencing it. As a local, I can say I was a local for four months, so I um have a little bit of New York under my belt, as in not much at all. But in any case, that's the experience we have going into this book. So I'm excited to for us to dig in and for us to chat about it. So let's just go right into it. I I was gonna say I don't have any quick facts for this book, unfortunately. Those were kind of my quick facts with my fun facts about Ella. And Patty Smith, if you don't know, she is a musician, kind of sings alt rock, kind of punkish. I would say, like, alt rock.
1: I don't know if I would consider it like punk. When I listened to her music, it was more punky
0: than I was expecting, but like, it's so rock and roll. My God. Okay, this is Ella again. I promise I will not make a habit of interrupting episodes all the time, but I just have to come in and give my two cents on this. So Rebecca and Jenna are not totally wrong in not knowing whether Patti Smith is classified as punk or not. Patti Smith doesn't really seem to classify herself as punk, but in the grand scheme of like music history, she is considered pretty foundational to the punk movement. I'm going to give you a little bit of context that's going to be crucial for this episode just to bring you back a little bit. When we think of punk, a lot of people who may not be obsessed with it think of people like the Ramones or the Sex Pistols, you know, a lot of anger, a lot of leather, that kind of thing, and that is definitely what punk became, but early punk, like... Iggy and the Stooges, Iggy Pop, or Patti Smith's later husband, Fred Smith. He had a band called MC5, which was not technically called punk, but a lot of those late 60s bands that were considered garage rock were what then became punk. So Patti Smith took a lot of influences from, like Jenna and Rebecca are saying, rock and roll stars. She loved people like Jim Morrison, but the DIY nature of her music and coming up in the same world as sort of glam rock slash punk people like the New York Dolls or television or people like that, for all intents and purposes, she is to many people considered punk. Because I listened to her after the book. I
1: didn't know who Patti Smith is. My dad was a super big rock and roll kid, so I grew up on like rock and roll, but more like Beatles side of rock and roll. So all of the names that she was naming off, I've listened to and I'm super familiar with throughout my entire childhood, but I didn't know Patti Smith, but I knew who Robert was. So I knew that he was a photographer and an artist. And then it described her as like a poet in all of like the descriptions. Like it never, none of the descriptions I ever read about this book said that she was a singer. So it was like not until the end of the book when I realized she's A famous musician and a famous singer. And I was like, oh, okay." So I listened to her after. Not my cup of tea, but some of the songs I could get down to.
2: Yeah, I I genuinely when I first started this book, forgot that she was a famous singer. I didn't know who she was until um, like people started talking about this book. And then I looked her up. And then when she like foreshadows in one of the sentences and was like she was talking about some female singer that she was uh, watching live. And how she was like, and I got that same experience the first time I played the guitar and played the first note of X song on the stage. And then I was like, ah, oh, right. She is a singer. Oh, I totally missed that. Well, and then I was waiting the whole book for it. And then again, like you said, didn't get into it until maybe the last 10 pages.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just I had no idea. I just assumed she was just going to be a, a poet. And I was like, sick, a muse
2: and a poet. That's a pretty good life. But OK, she became famous, famous. And I was like, go, Patty. Go, Patty. I do want to say, as we're talking about the band and I i also should say, I feel like I don't need to say the summary because it's it's a memoir about her relationship with with the photographer Robert Maplethorpe, And it's just kind of their journey and their friendship together in their 20s as they're trying to figure themselves out in New York City. And it's just this beautiful story of friendship, as we'll probably get into. But um, as we were talking about her writing and we're talking about her uh, life as a musician, I feel like this I highlighted this part and I feel like this just fits her writing and like how she sees music and how she like sees each instrument and her voice and how a song was put together. Uh, so she says the band had a ragged edge, the music erratic, angular and emotional. I liked everything about them, their spasmatic movements, the drummer's jazz flourishes, their disjointed, orgasmic music structures. I felt a kinship with the alien guitarist on the right. He was tall with straw colored hair and a long, graceful fingers wrapped around the neck of his guitar as if to strangle it. Like, come on. That's so good. Was up? about the uh, Tom Lane, In any case, that gives you a little taste of Patti Smith's writing, of how she describes everything she's seen. And it's like that for the entire book. It is a joy, or at least for me, it was a joy to read. It was just like rich and lovely but it didn't feel over it didn't feel overwritten like no this
1: was a very easy read one of the things that was really like this is going to sound so pretentious to say someone who centers the book around their time in New York the way they printed the book like the book itself like the physical book i brought it onto the subway with me and i was like reading it and it's the most Cumbersome book. This book is gigantic. Why is it so big? And it's an easy read. Like the experience of reading it sucks. Hated holding the actual book, but it was an easy read, so you got through it really well.
2: Yeah. Well, no, mine. Is, mine is regular size. I don't know. Like it was just too big. You kill me. I can't bring this book on the subway. I mean, maybe that's the point. She like knew you were gonna bring it on the subway, and she wanted people to be like, "What is that book?" <laughs> That's too bad
1: for her. I didn't bring it on. I brought it twice and I was like, I can't live like this. <laughs> but it was such an easy read. She didn't overwrite it, which I can imagine if Robert Maplethorpe wrote the same book, it would have been a book. But because like Patty wrote it, I feel like it's her just like logical, sensible. She's just going through it. But in her like own special, like artistic way, like it was such a good read.
2: Yeah. And I think I've gotten lucky With the past couple of reads that I've had, actually, that I have really enjoyed the last couple of reads that I've had. The one that I most recently finished, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, was talking about a friendship in such a way that it talks about the romance and the connection of... a friendship instead of it being like a love story. And at the beginning, I was like, I kind of forgot what it was about. So I was like, oh, are they going to like end up together? Is this her like finding her husband and all this stuff? And like they have like photos in here. So I was flipping through the photos and I was like, oh, there's a kid. So um, they must have a kid and all this stuff. But then you like you start to read it and you're like, oh, no, this is like purely a friendship and a beautiful friendship at that. It's sometimes ugly and they... Sometimes they're not the best for each other. (laughs) And Robert can be a little possessive and Patty can be a little bit stubborn at times. But all in all, it's like this lovely story of just two kids trying to make it and trying to be creatives in a city that's just out to get them. Just eats people alive. Yeah. And at that time, it was like New York. It was like eat or be eaten. Best of luck to you. And it just shows like the passion that they had and like how important that community is in order to just make it through those 10 years of just grinding and trying to push through everything and waiting for that one big break for to come that like for some people just didn't come. It was just like a cool story. (laughs) I am fascinated by this
1: time. Like I love contemporary art. Like, the stranger it is, just, like, the more I'm just like, I love this to my core. So the age of Jackson Pollock, Andy Warhol is kind of just, like, my shit. Like, I love that stuff just because it it was the time of art where it became, like, social. Before, like, being an artist was truly just, like, a suicide mission until... Like, media and, like, people, like, made it, like, a social status. People didn't want you to see them. People want you to see their art. And it became, like their art was a part of their entire world. So it was like a part of like their social class, their status, the people they hung out with. Like Andy Warhol made the factory around it. Andy Warhol was like a huge, like key component in this book, which I understand why like they didn't like dive into the importance of like Andy Warhol was because he made it like cool to be an artist. But Patty obviously didn't have an affinity towards Andy Warhol. Like she said pretty early in the book that she didn't really like his work. So of course they didn't really dive into a lot of that because personally Patty just couldn't care less, which is very Patty. (laughs) But just like that time where like being a musician and being an artist wasn't just like about the art. It was about like you as the artist. And The fact that she got to sit in the lobby with all of these people, like Salvador Dali patted her on the head. I read that line and I nearly shit myself. I would go insane if I got to physically make contact with Salvador Dali. What the fuck? The first third of the book, I was like, I don't know. I don't really like autobiographies. I don't like biographies. Like, I don't really care. I didn't really know who Patty was at the time. Like, I knew who Robert was, but I didn't I'm not like a photographer, so it's like I don't really care that much about Robert. So I was like, "Ah, but then all of a sudden she like moved into the Chelsea Hotel and like her whole world just kind of like spiraled out of control. It like fully caught my attention so fast and then it fell off a little bit bit at the end. But uh,
2: the middle chunk was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think I think it lost some steam at the end naturally. I mean, it's like you have Robert getting sick and you have Patty wanting to settle down. And that, of course, is going to lead to some like boring life. (laughs) That's just life. And so I agree. But I do think uh, I think it was fascinating, like you were saying, with the person and the art coming together. And I think why the middle was so interesting too, was because she describes like Robert at the beginning of the book, as he's trying to find himself, he's very much like diving into this idea of God and of religion and like, who is good, who is evil, the devil, like, let's get into the satanic side of things. And then as he like As he grows a little bit more depressed, as he's trying to fight with his sexuality, as he's fighting with a bunch of different things that is happening around him, it's like his art is an extension of that. And so his art gets really dark and really twisted and really scary. And it's just like listening to how Patty describes seeing his art evolve through how he is just like experiencing life. And then kind of once he finds his relationship with his partner and how that he becomes kind of the muse and then he kind of comes out of this very like dark satanic type art that she's like what the fuck is this (laughs) and then it kind of like gets more into this like okay let's talk about men trying to struggle with their sexuality what does that look like in an artistic way and what does it look like to kind of Try to make these things that are so taboo and just bring them to the forefront and like photograph some guy wearing leather and in bondage and just like, let's see what people think and just like photograph it like it's a beautiful picture. He was such a leader in that space of being so weird and so out there because like Andy Warhol, he was weird and he was wacky and he was loud and he had this certain style But it never like bordered on gross to the outside viewer. Robert is trying things that like, oh my god, the clutch of pearls. (laughs) And so I don't know. I just think like his storyline and listening because you always hear stories of how art is like a reflection of someone's life and how they experience life and how they see life. And actually hearing it from Patty's point of view to watch this like brilliant mind go through these very drastic changes in his art and just trying to discover himself as an artist. That was the most fascinating part to me. Like I could not get enough of that. And so the Chelsea Hotel section was like, fuck yeah, <laughs> let's, let's hear it, let's get into it. It was so good. I love the struggling artist, come on, give it to me. Love it
1: so much. I really appreciated, I think my favorite part was their dynamic together. That's, like, one of my favorite tropes is just, like, an artist and a muse or, like, people who just, like, are, like, uh, for lack of better terms, like, twin flames. Like, they're not necessarily, like, love interests, but, like, people who are, like, they can't not be in their vicinity. They can't live without each other. Yeah. And the fact that, like, this, it's not a trope. Like, this is, like, their lives. Like, it was an artist and a muse who turned into another artist who they bounced back and forth at each other. Like, they genuinely, like adored each other's and each other's art which is
2: so hard to find if i was patty oh i'm like wait what are you doing yeah she fully supported it she was like try something the whole time she was just like his art is so
1: good I love appreciating art. I love when people appreciate art. So it's like the whole time it's just like she would just like sprinkle in that one sentence every here and there, every couple of pages where she was
2: just like, I would look through his portfolio and so good. And I'm like, that's so nice. Well, you know, like he was doing the same. Like, you know, he was just like raving about her. Yeah, I know. They were doing the same. He was like, you should sing.
1: I love when you sing. And I'm like, "Okay, Patty, you should sing. Seeing people obsessed with each other is like probably one of my favorite things in the entire world. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think going off of tropes we adore, one of my tropes that I absolutely adore is somebody being able to like look back at their life and being like, you know, I was working a shit job. And I was doing music on the side. I was doing writing on the side. I was just trying to figure it out and being able to like look back and see the pieces fit together and then like how that has driven you to where you are today. And I love hearing like the hero's journey type stories and her hero's journey was fascinating because it was almost as if she was on Robert's hero's journey. Like she was the key component to his success and his rise before she was able to kind of break off and go her way. And to like watch someone you love and you adore just getting everything that they deserve and like being able to like bask in all this praise that they're getting and all this attention that they're getting, you don't get like a hint of jealousy from her. Like she's like, sometimes she's like, you know, he's an asshole, but you, you don't get an ounce of jealousy from it. You're just, she's just like, I'm so happy that people are seeing his work for what I see it as. And it's genius. And then she's able to get her own fame and her own journey. And like, you're like, (laughs) okay, they did it. I know.
1: I became so invested in their journey. She Got me invested in Robert's journey when I was there for Patty. You open the book and you're expecting an autobiography of Patty. And then, like, she gets you invested in Robert. And then, in turn, you get more invested in Patty because you're, like, so nice of you, Patty. Like, you guys, like, care so much for each other. And that's so nice. And just the way they just, like, treat each other with such goodness and tenderness Just all around like love and you're just like it just makes you just like love them individually, but like also together.
2: Yes. Yeah, she does a fabulous job. And I think I don't know if you had the same experience as me, but when I was reading kind of the last chapter where Robert is like on his deathbed and she's chatting with him and he's just like, listen, I want you to write our story and I want you to write it because like only you know how to write it. And then she was like, and it's taken me, what, 40 years to sit down and write this. And as I was reading that, I was on the plate and I'm just tearing up. I know I got a little
1: watery eye at the end, too. I was like the the table the table really did it for me.
2: And I was like, oh, the desk. I was like, oh, there it is. There's the tears. That's when you just see that tenderness and that love in that immense, just like even at the end, even after all the shit they've gone through together. And like she was out of his life for a little bit trying to raise a family. And just the fact that like, you know, she still writes about him 30, 40 years later with such tenderness and also such detail and being able to remember him and his essence and like how he wore his hair and how he wore his pants all this stuff
1: i was so incredibly impressed by the level of detail at sometimes i would like find myself getting bored with her explaining like what they wore but at the same time i was like this was 40 years ago i don't even know what i wore yesterday If my boyfriend asked me to write a memoir about him, I wouldn't know. I don't remember half of it. And of course, a lot of it she was documenting. The whole time she was in the Chelsea Hotel, she was constantly writing and documenting, which helps. And of course, they were artists, so they were taking photography, so they had better recounting. But at the same time, it's like I document every single day of my life on B-Rail, and I still couldn't even tell you half of what I've done. So the attention to detail that she remembered writing this book was incredible.
2: Yeah. And I don't know if you're like me, but every time I finish a memoir, I'm like, I need to journal more. I need to journal every day, every second of every day. Yes.
1: I'm so easily influenced. I was like, I need to make art. I need to do something. I need to be a creative. (laughs) I need to journal. (laughs) I need to write. (laughs) I need to do something. The whole book, it's just inspiring the way... She inspires you by being inspired by others, like that trickle down effect trickles down to the reader. And I think that's what makes this book incredible because she was surrounded by these incredible artists and she was inspired and she was inspired by Robert. Robert was inspired by her. And then in turn, she created and inspired us. And I just think that is just like the essence of what makes this book incredibly great.
2: I love that. Well, I think we should just end there because that, uh, that was beautiful. Well, let's get into our final readings. I'll start. I rated this a four out of five. Let's say 4.2 out of five. I'll say that. This book was just like, like you said, easy read. I love a book about just a friendship, like a deep friendship. I love a story about a rise of an artist and their struggles and I love a good memoir and this is a great memoir. Uh, The only thing that's preventing me from getting this five is like you said, a little bit of like a taper down toward the end was like, I feel like what I remember from our like creative nonfiction class in college was a memoir supposed to either supposed to capture a moment in time of someone's life And whether that's like a large moment or whether that's a more condensed moment. Like, I feel like Patty was trying to capture this moment with her and Robert. And I think when she started to veer away from that and kind of get into more of like her meeting um, her husband, husband and having a kid and like us lovely. I, I wish you all the best, Patty, I do. But like, I think once you kind of veered away from that and got a little too deep into that, you kind of steered away from this beautiful story that you were telling. And so it was like maybe, you know, 50 pages too long or you could have just like shortened that bit up. And so I think that would be the only thing I'd say it was missing. But as it just hits me in all the right places here. You got a good friendship story. You got a good artist story. You got a memoir. You've got beautiful writing. It's just that's the kind of book. There it is. I...
1: Agree. I rated it a little lower. I rated mine a 3.5 out of 5 just because I really only enjoyed that middle third. The Chelsea Hotel is truly the only part that I just like ate out of the palm of her hands. But like the beginning half, I don't really care. The ending half, I understand like you need to like give beginning context, like how they were raised, who they were as children, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, I was like incredibly boring. And then The Chelsea Hotel, uh, life changing. And then the last half up until like her and Robert reconnect, I was just like, I, I didn't know Patty enough as an artist, like a musician to care. I feel like if I came into this book knowing who Patty was, that she was a very successful and talented artist. I feel like that part is like a little gold nugget, like fan service, basically. But I didn't care. So 3.5 out of 5. But that middle chunk there, the Chelsea Hotel. God, stunning.
2: Stunning. Love it. Well, let's get into our pairings. Uh, Where we choose drinks, books, TV show, and movies. That might pair well with today's book. I have a feeling you're going to pick the same book as me. Ooh, are we okay do you want to go first
1: sure for my drink i said no drinks just drugs
2: <laughs> all right love it just drugs just the drugs lots of drugs <laughs> <laughs> i love it um uh, mine is a manhattan Ooh, your pairings are good that was that was cute that was smart i like that yeah there's no other reason except for it's it, it's a strong drink and it's named after a strong city. I like that one. I didn't know any
1: TV shows, so I actually chose it's this like YouTube series. It's by a creator called Final Girl Studios. Um, She does like this it girl series. And one of them was about Edie Sedwick, who was Andy Warhol's one of his original muses. I don't know if she was like the original one, but she's mentioned in the book. And through the lens of Edie Sedgwick, this creator truly captures what it was like to be a part of the art scene During this exact time. So if you have, I think it's like 20, 30 minutes long. So if you have like 20 or 30 minutes, it's a really good podcast like-esque. Just leave it on. And honestly, it's such a nice like rounding because she does mention Edie. She does mention her death. So if you are interested in like diving into like what being a part of the factory actually was and like what Robert was so obsessed with. Watching that video in the video series, it's called Edie Sedwick, New York's It Girl and Andy Warhol's Muse. Okay. It's very good, actually. It's really well researched.
2: Ooh, I love that. So my TV show is something that I'm rewatching right now. And it's Will and Grace. Will and Grace. Hear me out. Because I feel like Will and Grace's uh, relationship is like this, where it's like a very. (laughs) Have you heard of the show? I don't think
1: I've ever seen it, but I don't think I'm thinking of the same thing. Okay, this is not the show that I was thinking of, and thank God. Okay, moving on.
2: Great. I thought you were like, this is stupid. I was like, it's not that stupid. This one is about a gay man and he lives with a straight woman um, and they're best friends from college and they're just like living life together. And it's from the 90s and they live in New York and they have that very tight relationship where like, you know, lovers get jealous of what they have because they're so close and they can talk without even saying, you know, the one place that we went. Yes. And then it's like that type of relationship. I will say it has not held up very well in today's society, but in the 90s, it was pretty like trailblazing. And so, yeah, their relationship, I would say, is just like a very similar um, feeling where they're just like super tight and it's almost as if they could be lovers, but they're not. Excellent. Okay, for my book, I chose Daisy Jones and the
1: Six. I haven't read (laughs) Daisy Jones and the Six. But everybody is talking about it, so I feel like I have. And I feel like it's a good play off of artists working together, not necessarily being in a relationship. It's obviously a little more messy, but I think it's like fun on the musician side. She talks a lot about like Janis Joplin. She like she kind of delves into like the rock and roll world of that time period. And I think Daisy Jones and the Six, again, even though I haven't read it, I have my personal opinion, but I feel like that could be like a good additional thing to read along with it.
2: Yeah. Okay. I have a lot of books that I'm thinking of that roll with this, but I won't, I won't do that to everyone, but I will plug two that we have talked about on the podcast so far and so la woman that we have been chatting about that's easy parallel they're written around the same time period one's just in la one's in new york eve babbitt's like we said is a little bit more you're in her brain it's if you were just plopped right down in someone's consciousness and you were like all right here we are and we have a lovely conversation about that with ella who's a big la fan so she gets into it still one of our top listen to podcast episodes <laughs> I can imagine. it's a ve- Eve Babbitt is a very popular writer and L.A.
1: Woman is a very popular book. Should I give it another chance? I don't know. I still have your copy with me.
2: Becca's like talking herself into it. <laughs> and maybe after you've read Just Kids, you might be on a different level. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. And then my other book uh, is one I've referenced as well, which is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. It's just a beautiful story of friends and how they are able to work super well together and create something so beautiful Um, in this case it's a video game and they're able to just create these worlds that are just beautiful and creative and then you have these friends that are childhood friends and then they're fighting with this you know we're getting rich we're getting famous how do we deal with this how do we stay the same people and stay the same friend like how does our friendship evolve through this and I feel like that is uh, similar Excellent. I have a second book. Oh, yes. I bought this
1: for my dad. Again, my dad is a huge Beatles fan. And two years ago, uh, Paul McCartney came out with uh, this book series called The Lyrics. It's two gigantic books where he documents almost every single song he's ever written. So playing into like the poet side of Patti Smith, if you are a poet, I am not and you like really are interested in like poem scripting into like lyricism, I think it's such an in-depth. Like he, every thought he ever thought, like writing his lyrics, he like has like photos of original like pages and things. It's actually really interesting if that's something that like interests you. But I bought that for my dad and I was like flipping through it and I was like, oh my gosh, people who write lyrics are magical people. So love it. That was my second book. Okay, movies. You you hit it. Um, I have 3. I couldn't really decide cuz she covers so much. Bohemian Rhapsody. I think it's a good over exaggeration of like the rock and roll lifestyle, obviously. Bohemian Rhapsody is a little later, like I think it's more like 80s rather than like 70s and 60s, but there are several Woodstock movies. And I think the original, it's like it's just titled Woodstock. That really dives into Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix. Pretty much everyone who played at Woodstock is incredible. So if you can watch like a Woodstock documentary or like a movie like centered around Woodstock, obviously those will be like a little like over-exaggerated, but I love everything Woodstock. Both of my parents grew up 20 minutes away from Bethel Woods where Woodstock was held. My aunt's was like a nurse at Woodstock while it happened. Like my dad went the day after when he was like six, like my aunt wanted to go. Like my family is like super into Woodstock, at least my dad's side of the family. So it's always been something that's been like interesting to me. So I've like, again, grown up with these rock and roll names like floating around. So if you're interested again in like the music side of it, like definitely like do a ton of Woodstock research, but the movie just titled Woodstock is really good. And then Across the Universe. So good. Just a fun one. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. So Across the Universe, I think, is really good. Again, it doesn't match, like, the rock and roll gritty vibe of, like, living in New York. But (laughs) But
2: it's a good movie. (laughs) Good. Wow. And then I have to follow it up with just my one. My one movie is a documentary. And it's called Infinity. And it's about Yayoi Kusama, the artist who does all the polka dots and her story is just fascinating she's battling sexism and racism and just absurd things that for some reason people are like this is why you can't be an artist even though her art is extraordinary and her installations are next level and then she's like nope fuck it i'm just gonna keep keep trucking along i'm gonna do it i'm gonna make it and then she does and now it's like she's one of the most celebrated artists, modern artists, really. I heard this from another a fellow
1: artist, but I don't I haven't actually like fact check it. But I think one of the things that's amazing about her work is she checked herself into like a mental hospital And most of her work. She produces from a mental hospital. Like she doesn't actually like go and set up these installations. She's doing it from the hospital. Yeah. Uh, Yaoyu admitted herself into a Tokyo Psychi- Psychiatric Institute in 1977 and never checked out. What? So all of her installations she does from a psychiatric institute. Isn't that incredible?
2: That's interesting because they have like a scene where she's just like walking in her little house in New York. Like we said, we're not experts.
0: <laughs> nope. Far from. <laughs> Hi, Ella here one more time. I promise this is my last appearance in this episode, but I just wanted to provide a few recommendations of my own that get a little bit more into the punk scene of 1970s New York that's a little bit different than... The scene that Rebecca is talking about, uh, as wonderful as Andy Warhol and The Factory and Edie Sedgwick and that whole scene was, uh, it definitely was not the only scene culturally and alternatively that was going on in New York then. So I just wanted to throw out a few other titles and things for anyone interested. The first thing I'm going to recommend is a documentary called Danny Says about... Danny Fields. Danny Fields was, he was a manager, he was a publicist, he was a lot of things, but he was crucial to uh, sort of discovering some of the earliest bands considered to be punk or punk adjacent. So people like the Stooges, people like MC5. He also was huge with uh, the early success of The Doors. Um, So that is a great documentary because it shows somebody who sort of was behind the scenes very responsible for what punk ended up becoming, but was there around the same time in New York as Patti Smith, and he was also in LA too, but as someone sort of crafting the sort of transition from classic rock and roll into a more punky sort of feeling. So yeah, that's a great one. A book I'm going to recommend is Richard Hell's autobiography, I Dreamed I Was a Very Clean Tramp. Richard Hell and the Voidoids were, again, a a sort of early 1970s punk band in New York. Uh, Richard Hell became sort of very similar to Patti Smith, an early leader in punk, and was there very much for the early developments of the punk movement in New York and there actually is a bit on Patty Smith in that book. And speaking of getting a view of Patty from someone else's perspective, I'm going to also recommend the new biography that came out on Sam Shepard, who Patty was famously involved with. He was a playwright and very involved in the sort of experimental theater scene of New York in the 1970s. He pops up a lot in Just Kids. We didn't really get to him in this episode. But in that book, you also get to learn quite a bit about Patty's time with Sam and the play that they wrote together and again just get a different sort of perspective on her. Um, The final thing that I will recommend to you that sort of has nothing to do with Patty but if you are at all interested in what Rebecca was talking about the Andy Warhol of it all I really recommend the biography Edie an American Girl on Edie Sedgwick. Edie Sedgwick was sort of running in different circles to Patti Smith. She was more of a quote-unquote it girl and was unfortunately taken from us too early because of drug use and just really abusing her body, eating disorder, etc. But she's a fascinating character and I think that if you were reading Just Kids less to know more about punk and Robert and the sort of experimental scene and more for the Andy Warhol factory pop art scene definitely read Edie it's a it's a fantastic book I will stop talking now all right
2: (laughs) well that's our show as per usual what a joy what a fun ride uh just kids another one we liked Another one we liked. Incredible. Another winner. Yeah, in Rebecca's book, it's a book she likes if she gives it anything over a three. This one was a 3.5. It just squeaked out. But well, in any case, cheers. Cheers. Well, that's the show. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked it, please go give it five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. If you want more book-related content, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at RW Reads Podcast. Again, that's at R-W-R-E-A-D-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. At RW Reads Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. Until next week, keep your books open and your drink glasses full. Thanks all.